That's the truth of the matter. Without the Lord holding our hand, where would we be? It's not us holding on to Him, it's Him holding on to us. I wouldn't even be a man if I didn't trust Him. That's how manhood's measured, Brother Branham says, by the bags and the knees, not by the muscles on your, under your shirt or how, how, how brash you act, but rather how humble you can be in the presence of God. Amen. It's good to have you all here in the house of the Lord. Welcome to the Wednesday night. It carries on the special meetings. Amen. I just want to bring a need before the Lord as I, I received it on the way here and it's just um, felt to pray about it this way. But uh, Brother Ed had texted me. Brother Ed's away today and, and on Sunday as well. And I'll just say there'll, there'll only be one service on on uh, Sunday morning. So there won't be a Sunday evening service this weekend, just one service Sunday morning, 10 a.m. And then, but he texted me and he made me aware of a need. Brother Jason DeMars is in, uh, is in the Middle East right now. And uh, he said he really needs our prayers for God's protection, desperately needs our prayers. The devil's fighting over there right now like never before. He's been there a number of times, but he said it's never been like this before. To the point where uh, the pastor he's with currently, uh, just either today or yesterday, was arrested. Um, they sentenced him to two months. You can imagine how getting arrested just recently and now getting sentenced already to two months in jail and, uh, and a fine, which in their money would be a hefty fine for them. And so we want to remember this brother Jason DeMars in prayer before the Lord. Amen. You bind together in faith with me and remember him. He's a missionary that's been on the field many times. He knows what it is to be over there. He knows what it is to go, what it is to be in the mind of the Lord. But Satan knows how close we are to the end. But our God is greater. There was a time when he put two men in prison for the salvation of a jailer. God still moves, doesn't he? Amen. Why don't we just sing that chorus? just calmly together and then we'll pray God still moves God still moves on the hearts of his people oh God still moves God still moves in the hearts of his people If you have a need on your heart you want to lift before the Lord, why don't you just make it known to him tonight? Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we're mindful, Lord, that we're here in your presence, Lord. Father, we're not here on our own accord, Lord Jesus. But Lord, you drew us, Lord. You brought us here, Lord, safely, Father. Lord, you gave us a place to gather and worship, Lord, and a place where we could sing your praises. We could hear the word, Lord, and we're so blessed, Lord. Father, we're thankful, Lord, that you still move on the hearts of your people, Lord. Not just those that are here in our midst, but Lord, you know each one that is yours. You said you will not lose one, and no man can pluck them from your hands, Lord. 
So, Father, we just want to remember our brother Jason, Lord, and, Lord, the brother that he's with there, Lord, that has been arrested, Lord Jesus. Father, you're the one that's in control. Satan cannot do anything but what he comes before your throne and asks permission for. So, Lord, we come as your bride as well, asking for our brother, Lord Jesus. Father, that you would be merciful on him, Lord. You know the plan. I pray, oh God, that you would make it known unto him, Lord. Increase the faith of Brother Jason, Lord, as he would stand there in the midst of the enemy howling around, but he goes about as a roaring lion, but he has no teeth. As we heard this last weekend, Lord, he's got no, oh, he's got no arrows for his bow. He's just a bluff. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you're the one with real power, Lord. And you've given authority to your people, Lord Jesus. And we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, you put a hedge around about, Brother Jason, Lord. Lord, may the work of God go forward, Lord Jesus. You, Lord, said when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God raises up a standard. So, Lord, we place them in your hands, Lord. Father, we ask, Lord, for our brother. Provide for them, Lord, financially, Lord. Provide for their needs, Lord, spiritually. Meet the people, Lord, we ask it, Lord Jesus. Remember, Father, Sister Lydia Wild, Lord. Father, as Brother Bob has made known, Lord, I ask you, go to her, Lord Jesus. Father, may your will be done in her life, Lord. The blood of Jesus is still sufficient for her. Lord, if you desire to raise her up as a testimony, oh God, I pray, Lord, your healing touch would go by her way. Lord, we just commit her into you, your safekeeping, Lord. As a hen would brood over her chicks, Lord, just brood over her, I pray. Lord, remember the family, Lord Jesus. Encourage them, Lord. And Father, I pray, Lord, for each one that's here tonight and has a need on their heart, desires you to move in our midst, Lord. I pray, oh God, you come here tonight. You're here even now. We're in your presence, Lord. We're conscious, Lord, that there's something, an unseen guest here tonight. And Lord, we just submit ourselves to you now. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 Isn't he wonderful? Amen. We're going to have Brother John speak tonight. and I had minded to say that, you know, the presence of 500 people, the atmosphere that creates isn't here, but there's a good atmosphere here. The Lord is here. Amen. I wonder if we could just sing that song as we invite Brother John to come. And I think it's fitting on a service like this. I want more. I know what it's like to be in the presence of the King. I know what it's like to not know what time it is. Trust me, I know it. We went to the back office Saturday night, and we all looked at our watches and went, 11 o'clock? How did it get so late? I thought it was 9, maybe 9.30, maybe 10. Just lost track. That's how it is in the presence of God. It ought to be that way every time. Amen. If you put the words up there, Brother Mark. I know what it's like to be in the presence of the Lord and not know what time it is because time stood still. Oh, bodies were testimony today and families restored because we stay in the presence of the Lord no one had to say Go. Just make it personal. 
Jesus, we know that, Lord, you're here tonight, Lord. Lord, you promised where two or three would be gathered, Lord, that you'd come and you'd meet us in our midst, Lord. And Lord, we also know that you don't come without a purpose, Lord. You don't just come because we're here, but you come because there's something you want to get to us, Lord. There's, there's needs you want to meet, Lord. And even as the music would go forth, Lord, you can begin to work on spirits and lives and hearts. And, Lord, I just pray now you'd come, Lord, in this part, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, where we've said it wrong, where we've thought or done it wrong. Lord, forgive us. Cover us by your blood. And I just pray you'd help us, Lord, now. I pray you'd take this little thought, Lord, get me out of the way. Lord, I pray that you take the speaker and the hearer both out of the way, Lord. And I pray you could just be with us now. Stay with us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you to the musicians. Maybe if we can turn in our Bibles to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 5, and then in Ephesians 6. How many enjoyed the, the weekend meetings? Amen. Amen. I can say, I'll, I'll echo what Brother Ed said, that was the best meetings I've ever seen here. And, and by God's grace tonight, we'll just take a little bit of time to maybe encourage ourselves and even moving forward from the meetings that God's still moving. God, the God that was there on Saturday night, the God that was there on Sunday morning and on all of the nights, he's still here tonight. We want to keep, but now we're in a battle. Now we're in a fight. Every, every day, even coming up to the meetings, even in the meetings, and now it's a battle. And so we want to be able to be ready. And God bless you to all that are here tonight. God bless you to the visitors here tonight. And 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. He doesn't think good thoughts towards us. He wants to destroy. Whom resist, this is our commission, resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. These are a couple of the scriptures that he would take, and I'll add an extra verse on this one that Brother Brandon would take for the, the message, the greatest battle ever fought. So I'll pull some thoughts from there, and I'll, and I'll, I'll maybe go up maybe a different vein too, or we'll see how it all comes across. But finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, 
against spiritual wickedness in high places. How many has fought that more than ever? Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with the truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And if you're counting, that was only six. So the seventh one is the next one. Praying always, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. God bless you. You can, you can have your seats. And tonight, by, by God's grace, as I said, I'd like to spend a little time just encouraging in the Word as we follow up from the meetings. Maybe we can carry on in some of the same spirit. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But we know that we, it'll be things that we know and things that we've heard, but we know that faith comes by hearing. I was listening to a message, The Greatest Battle Ever Fought, and it was just coming into me again. And as we've heard it many times, but maybe we've never heard it in the way that we could hear it tonight. Tonight, I'd like to take a little thought called an invincible army. How many knows Brother Branham says that we, if we know what, what we are, what we stand for, that we can do the greater work, that we can see the spirits of the two churches, that we will be an invincible army. I looked it up in the back um, just before, just in the back now. The dictionary defines invincible as too powerful to be defeated or overcome. Too powerful to be defeated or overcome. Invincible. Now, we said that we enjoyed the meetings, but let me ask you this. How many had a battle like never before to get to the meetings? And how many had a battle even during the weekend like never before? I think God's training us on how to fight at a new level where we can have such an anointed set of meetings and yet a battle going on that we're consistently having to overcome and fight. But may we press on. Remember the... Now, some of us have had battles since the meeting. I'll maybe get slow to get started, but then we'll get started. But this is maybe the burden that I have behind this is we've had battles since the meetings. We've had battles coming to the meetings, but we've had battles since the meetings. Maybe you've come through a prayer line and, and you're not sure, did I get my healing or not? Maybe you're sitting there and said, did anyone get healed in that prayer line? I, I felt God, but was it real? The devil begins to come and plant thoughts in us. I want to stand here tonight. And I want to say God was here. God was here now. God's going to carry us through all the way forward. If you're fighting for your healing now that you've prayed for and committed to God there, don't give up now. If you're fighting for your deliverance that you've prayed for there, but you're not seeing it, don't give up now. This is the battle part. This is the fight part. This is where we have to come and say, God, I'm taking you at your word. I've committed it to you already. Now I'm pressing forward. If I failed, I'm getting up again. I'm pressing forward with everything I have within me. Because I'm a part of an invincible army. By God's grace tonight, well, let's just whack at the devil again a few more times. Let's keep it going. Remember the story of the little, the little man facing a big devil? Brother Brandon would say, and I'm just getting started now, but I, I was reading the other day where a man said the devil got before him and said he was just a little bitty old devil, and he said, boo. And he said, I jumped back. And he said, boo. And I jumped back. And every time that devil would holler, holler boo, I'd jump back. And he'd get bigger and bigger. And I'd get littler and littler. And he said, boo. And I'd get smaller each time. And I jumped back. And he'd get bigger. Said, I'd know it. I had to fight him. Yeah. We get to that spot where we get whacked down in the day. And we realize, I got to get up and I got to fight him. Yeah. After a while, I looked around and I thought, what? I, I found the word of God. He said, I rolled in my hand. And the devil said, boo. And I said, boo back. And I said, when I said boo back, every time I said boo, he got smaller and I got bigger. That's it. You've got to fight him sooner or later. And then he says, you know, people don't believe there's a devil. I run into him all the time. Uh-huh. Head into him every day. Any other believer does. We all run into him every single day, whether we see it or not, but we run into him. Yes, you've got to fight him sooner or later, so you might as well start fighting him right now. There's only one thing that he's afraid of. This is amazing. There's only one thing the devil's afraid of is that blood and that word, and faith holds it. It's strong. It marches on. That's from the message, Perseverance. I, I don't know about you tonight, but I'm not ready to give up. 
I'm not giving up. We're not turning around. It'll take a stronger wind than all the things that have come to blow us over. We're going forward. Why? Because it's not, Christ, and it's not just me, but it's Christ in me. And it's Christ in you. We are. Deity isn't in heaven. It's in us. Brother Brandon would begin to develop his thought and the message, the greatest battle ever fought. And he said, now you know we'd had wars after wars and rumors of wars. And if the earth stands, we'll have plenty more wars. But do you realize that there's really only two powers in all the universe? Of all of our differences between nations and differences between each other and everything, it all mounts up to two powers. There's only two powers, and it all mounts up to two powers. There's only two kingdoms. Two powers and two kingdoms. All the rest, the little minor things, are connected with either one of those two powers. It all funnels up to two. I've added, and those powers is God's power and Satan's power. Every war, every disorder, everything that comes along, it's either controlled by God's power or Satan's power because that's the only two powers that there is. And that is the power of life and the power of death. That's the only two powers. And Satan can only, his power he got is in the perverted power of God. It isn't no real power. Let's point out tonight, it's a bluff. It's only a perversion of the true, powerful, invincible power that can never be defeated because it's too powerful. Death is only a perverted life. A lie is only a truth mistold. An adultery is an an act misused, a righteous act misused, Everything that Satan has is something that was perverted, but it's a power. And here we are today, sitting here, and one or the other power is going to control us. One or the other power is going to control us on the Monday after meetings, or the Tuesday, or the Thursday after tonight. One or the other, even right now as we sit here, is competing for our faith and our attention. One is looking to plant doubt, and one is looking to plant faith. But by God's grace, we can open up the channels tonight. And we can let God come and surge through us one more time. He says, and we are here, setting here, and one or the other is going to control us, so let's cast out the evil one. Let's take our positions like the stars of the heaven. So an army, first, in getting ready for a battle, first they've got to select some soldiers. And I have to say that at this end time, in this Laodicean age, and in the bride age coming out of it, God's chosen his best. I really don't believe that the message is diminishing and diminishing, but it's only getting stronger and God's picking stronger soldiers and stronger men and women, stronger young people to go out and take the word of God and manifest it. They've got to be dressed for fighting. They've got to be trained for fighting. And I believe that the greatest battle that was ever fought is now ready to go in action. I believe that God has been selecting his soldiers. He's been dressing them, training them, and the battlefront is set now, getting ready to start. I think I can say we're in it. We're in it. And we know that before any battle can be put in array, they first have to choose a place that they're going to meet and collide. Or a place where the battle is to be fought, a selected place. He says in the First World War, it was a place, a no man's land, and places where they fought, and they've got to be a place that they selected. When Israel went to war with the Philistines, there was a hill on each side where they gathered. And that's where Goliath came out and called to the armies of Israel. That's where David met him in the valley when he passed over the little creek that ran in between the two hills. He picked up the rock. Today, there has to be a place selected. In this, there's a mutual ground, a no man's land. What does that mean, a no man's land? I'll say this, we're not thought generators, we're thought receivers. We get to receive thoughts from two different places, and it's up to us to decide which way we're going to take it in that no man's land. And they fight here at this place. They don't just fight over here and one down here and one run over there. There's a battlefront where they meet, and they test their powers. There's a battlefront where they meet, where where each army tests its strength against the other army, a mutual meeting place. It says, now don't miss this. When this great battle started on earth, there had to be a mutual meeting place. There had to be a place selected for the battle to begin and for the battle to rage. And that battleground begin in the human mind. There is where the battle starts. The human mind was chosen for the place of the battle where it was begin. And this is because why? Decisions are made from the mind. You choose life or you choose death. You accept the word of God, starting with an intellectual faith, an intellectual conception, and you can choose life or death, and it'll drop down. 
And truly, you can choose faith or doubt. Now, they never started from some organization. They never started it from some mechanical affair. The grounds never started there. That, therefore, an organization can never do the work of God because the battlegrounds where you've got to eat, meet your enemy is in the mind. Decisions are made in the mind, the head. That's where Satan meets you. And decisions are because God made men that way. Now, we know the body is made up of see, taste, feel, smell, hear. We know that our earthly body, everyone knows that. That's what we use to contact this earthly realm that we are in every day. The time, the space, the matter. But there's another five senses that Brother Brandon would teach us as message believers that would be better than any psychology lesson you've ever heard trying to figure out mankind that we have five channels, five senses in our spirit realm, our memory, our imagination, our conscience, affections, and reasons. And that's where the battle begins to rage many times more in an unseen realm. Sometimes you can look at someone and realize something's wrong in their spirit realm or, or they're fighting with something or they have a struggle. But many times you can look at someone and wouldn't pick it up that they have a memory that's plaguing them or an imagination that's plaguing them or an affection that's wrongly placed or, or the, a scar in their affection realm or, or imagination or a conscience. That's the unseen realm. Maybe your closest people to you know what you go through. Maybe different things, but, but there's things that happen in that realm. That greatest battle ever fought is not now in the fleshly realm. It's fought right between the two temples that we have. Now, our body, our see, taste, feel, smell, and hear, our memory, imagination, conscience, all of these senses are good for this earthly realm, and we know this. But Brother Branham would say, as soon as it goes against the word of God, it's not right, and it's to be disbelieved. It's to go the other way. And the reason for that is these five earthly senses and these five spirit senses are not meant to find God's will for us. I'll say it again. They're not meant to find God's will for us. They're not meant to govern us. He would say in the message, they're not meant to be our guide. So it's the same thing as finding God's will. The way we are looking when we're trying to find the will of God for our life, when we're trying to find our healing, when we're trying, the only sense that reaches into the unseen realm far enough to make a connection with the spiritual realm and with the deity is faith. The only thing that stops us is doubt. And the devil will use all the senses and channels to try to plug it up and ultimately bring doubt. But our five earthly senses and our five spirit senses are not to govern us. They're not to govern the way that we feel about the word and the promises of God. They're not to govern any part that we feel about our situation today, even in comparison to how it was Sunday night when we walked out with faith. Our feelings, our senses, how we feel, the symptoms we still hold in sickness or, or the situation around us that seems so black and stormy and upside down. Those things are only earthly, temporary things and they're not to govern how we feel about the promises of God for our deliverance or the promises of God for our healing. The only thing that we're to rely on is our faith in God's word. Inside of the body is a spirit. Brother Branham says, and that spirit is controlled in the message, um, the greatest battle ever fought. He would switch spirit and soul. And later in the message, he would, he would correct that. And, and, and there was a, a progressive revelation of that. So I'm going to put spirit and soul in, in, in what I understand to be the right places. Inside of the body is a spirit. And that spirit is controlled by imaginations, conscience, memory, reasons, and affections. That's the thing that controls the spirit. But the soul only has one sense. Oh, let's get it. The soul has one sense, and that sense either dominates it is faith or doubt. Dropping down. If this church right now could be put together, this is an amazing quote. If this church could be put together and knitted together with such that every person would be in one accord, our body would be put together, our, our spirit, our affections would all be not just in unity with itself, but in unity with each other with such that every person would be in one accord with not one shadow of doubt anywhere, that's body, soul, and spirit all in line, there would not be another feeble person in our midst in another five minutes. There would not be nobody here desiring the Holy Ghost, but would receive it if you could just get that certain thing fixed. Now, there is where the battle begins, right in your mind, whether you will. 
Now, remember, it's not Christian science, mind over matter. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. It's not about that. The mind accepts life, which is the word of God, and there brings the life. Just your thought doesn't do it. We know that the, the word we hear and we have to receive it in a human mind and begins to, to grow in a human mind and we begin to receive an intellectual faith, an intellectual conception, but it has to drop down to where life can form in the place, the only place that true life can form. Everything else is just a baptism on your spirit or just a good feeling on your flesh. The mind accepts the life, which is the word of God, and there brings the life. Just your thought doesn't do it, but the word of God brought in the channel of your thought. Your mind accepts it. It grasps it. What, you're, what is your mind controlled by? Farther down, your soul. And your soul catches the word of God. And that's the thing that's got life in it. It brings life into you. Oh, brother, when that takes place, when life comes down to that channel, the word of God is manifested in you. Then it's not just a, an intellectual thought of a revelation or a beautiful picture that you can understand in your mind, but it changes your life. We don't want just jumping and shouting. We want to live different. We don't want just all of the, even the tears and the silence. And the, we want to live different. We want to be what the word of God says with all sin, with all everything, every thought burnt out, every thought brought into subjection and into captivity with the word of God. I love the emotion. I love the singing. I love every part. You've watched me play the bass probably. I love a little bit of emotion. But the main thing is when I can live different, when I know I'm not what I was. That's the power of the gospel. Then what does that do? From the middle of the heart, which is the soul, and I, maybe he's even saying it there in the right way, but from there goes forth feeding every channel. The trouble of it is we're standing in here with a lot of doubt, trying to accept what's out there. You've got to stop that and come down that channel with the true word of God and then it goes out itself automatically. Don't try to accept it from the outside, but take it in. Take it in from the inside. It's what's on the inside. That's the thing that counts is the inside. Now we're in a raging battle. The days come, the days go. We, our day-to-day -day walk, sometimes we wake up in the morning and you feel like a ton of bricks hit you. Some days you feel great and sometimes the devil gets you going too excited and you go off on a different path. But we're in a battle every day. Will we believe the word of God or will we not? Will we live it? Will we react in the right way? Will, will, we, will we take it and realize that I, I want to forgive? I want to love my brother or sister. I want to look for the best in the situation. I want to have discernment for the situation. All of these different things, will we be able to handle every situation just right? That's the battle. Because we're looking, God is not looking, uh, the, uh, this is maybe too early to say it, but the brother Nathan said it so well. Brother Branham did not come to write a 23rd book of Revelation, 23rd chapter in Revelations. He came so that we could live out a second book of Acts. He didn't just come for revelation and, and mysteries. He came so we could live a life that would overcome and shake the kingdom of hell. And in the book of Acts, there was battles and troubles and bad things that happened, but there was miracles and there was lives changed and there was something that came and lived through a people. Those 12 people in Ephesus, it was said that they turned the world upside down, if I remember history right. These people that came, who are they? They've turned it upside down. Brother Branham says, the promise is yours. Whatever you came to special meetings for, whatever God began to put in your heart, the promise is yours. But if you ever get it, you ain't going to get it easy. I'm going to tell you that. You're going to have to take it away from Satan. Satan captures your health. You've got a right to go to Satan and say, give it back. Hand it over. I come in the name of the Lord, the possessor of heavens and earth, and I'm his heir. Give it back. You took my child. You got her mixed up with the wrong boy. You took my boy and mixed up with the wrong girl. I claim them. That's right. I claim my children. I claim my brother. I claim my sister. Yes, Satan, you've took them from God's house, coaxed them out there, but I'm coming after them. I claim them. Well, how do you know I'm an heir of all things? Amen. It's given to me. I'm an heir. I can claim everything that God promised me. There you are. It's mine. How do you get it? Sometimes something, you, how do you get it? Something you've done? No, sir. You think about what unmerited grace of God is. 
there'll be some Christians that might accept it intellectually and become saved by faith in Jesus Christ, even in denominational realms. But the unmerited grace of the bride of Jesus Christ, what did we do to deserve predestination? Absolutely nothing. What did we do to deserve this heir and this right to go claim our loved ones? Nothing. It's grace of God. It's the grace of God. Satan cannot hold it if you go to him in the scriptural, authoritative word with faith to say, it's mine, lay it down. Glory, I like that. Satan, you lay it down. You took it from me, you give it back. Because I serve notice on you. I've got the notice written here in the word. Heavens and earth will pass away, but my word, but this notice shall not. I come with this notice to serve you. If I say to this mountain, be moved, and don't doubt in my heart, but believe what I said, it shall come to pass. I can have what I said. So we say to Satan, lay it down. Brother Brandon would say that God will never go outside of his laws to do anything. We have to have faith in the word of God. It can't be just an emotion. It can't be just a, a hope so faith. It's got to be to say, I know that God said it, and I believe it, and it's gone down all the way down and anchored in my heart. Brother Brandon makes an example. He says, if you've got an artesian well on this hill, blowing water all over up in the air and over on this hill, and you've got a crop over there burning up, you can stand on this hill and holler, oh, water, run over to me and fill my crop. Oh, water, get to my crop. It'll never do it. But if you work according to the laws of gravitation, you can water that crop. He says, you've got a sick man laying here, or a sinner laying here, or a man that wants to be right can't give up drinking, can't give up smoking, can't give up lust and things. If you'll just work according to the laws of God, let the Holy Spirit come in there, then he's no more his own. He'll stop that thing because the Holy Spirit makes him, the Holy Spirit takes him over, but you've got to work according to the laws of God. We've got to recognize that he who the Son is set free is free indeed. If you can believe it, if you can clear out all the memories of past failures, all the imaginations of future failures, all of the different things that will come, begin to clear it out and say, God, I know you're true. I know you're right. I believe it. The gravitational laws of God's word will begin to work. They'll begin to flow and water will begin to come. Brother John, I went through the prayer line on Saturday, but, but nothing happened or it barely got better or, and then it even got worse. Brother Branham taught us about these things. He would teach us about prayer lines, and, and especially probably in the 50s, and, but he would talk about what the battle would be to accept our healing. And I believe it's a very similar or maybe the same parallel to, expect, to accept spiritual healing. Sometimes there's miracles. Most of the time there's healings. Most of the time we have to plug away and fight, even if it's a spiritual healing. It's not always a miracle. That comes, So we have to learn to fight it and push through. Even when it gets worse, remember your symptoms don't matter. It's temporary. It's a lying vanity. If you've got your senses, see, taste, feel, smell, and hear, they're all right. But don't trust them unless they agree with the word. They're all right. But if they disagree with the word, don't you listen to them. <laughs> imaginations, conscience, memories, reasons, affections, they're all right if they agree with the word. If you're imagining yourself a well person, that's great. But if you're not, if your affection doesn't agree with the word, get rid of it. You'll blow a, few, a flu right quick. If your reason doesn't agree, and I'll drop down, he would teach ourselves, he would teach us, sorry, one little thing I want to push in right here. This is in the message, what it takes to overcome all unbelief our faith, 1960. One little thing I want to push in right here, where if I forget it tomorrow night, let's take, for instance, a growth or a tumor, cancer, whatever it is. How did it start? Like my hand here, there's nothing on my hand here. Someday there might be a growth, cancer, whatever it might be, tumor. What is that growth? Somewhere there's some little germ gets in there and begins to develop cells, just like a spiritual issue as well. Something happens and something begins to grow and create cells, cancer, whatever it might be. Something, there's another little germ, and it's a multiplication of cells. Just like you started in the womb of your mother, you begin to grow into a human being. Dog comes into a dog, chicken to a chicken, and so forth. 
But a tumor, cancer, any of those growths, they don't have a certain form they're not made in an, because they're not made in the image of a human being. And he makes some interesting statements. We'll owe to see to that world, but I think it would probably scare us as well. Some of them's got legs. Some of them's round like pancakes. Some oblong more. What is it? It's demons. Jesus called them devils. Was he right? Certainly he was right because the word devil means a tormentor. Cancer, tumor, diseases that torment you. Now the last commission Jesus gave to his church was, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. You believe that, he says. Cast out devils. Then what happened if the life left that tumor? We'll call it a tumor or a cancer. It's the greatest killer, he says. Now, if the life leaves that cancer, immediately what happens when that life leaves you? For the first day or so, your body shrinks. How many hunters in there? He talks about deers, a deer, or, and it hunts deers and anim, deer and animals. All right, now you kill a deer today, and you, or, and you say, or a butcher, whatever you want, even an undertaker. He said, this body laid on the scale, it weighs 250 pounds. Be careful what you tell the boys now. When you weigh it in the morning, it'll be pounds lighter. The life left it, I've added. You know that, don't you? It'll shrink a great percent overnight. The human body does the same, and any body of cells does the same because it's dying out. It's in the process, I guess, of dying, you could say. Now let it lay there for about three or four days. How many days after the special meetings are we at? Three or four days from Saturday night prayer meeting, from Sunday morning service. Three or four days. Then pick it up. Let a little dog get run over on the street. Let him lay there for three or four days in that hot sun. Watch what happens. He'll be twice his size almost. Then he's heavier than he ever was. Now like a man. When his spirit says, see, we're not dealing with that growth. That's what the doctor deals with. The doctor deals with what he can feel or what he can see. Two of his senses he can work with. That's his feeling or his seeing. Now he feels the growth. He operates. He looks at it. He takes it out. Now if there's a place of root left, it just keeps on growing. Just like a spiritual, just like a complex, just like something. If you don't take the root out, it just keeps on growing. Now we don't deal with that growth at all in divine healing we deal with the life that's in that growth. And that's what God does for our lives. He doesn't just deal with the symptoms. He's the best doctor that we've ever seen. As the brother said, he's not a practicing physician. He's a physician. He's the great physician. And he wants to deal with the life, the root of the issue, the reason why you're struggling, the reason why you're sick, the reason why the situation has gone wrong. We deal with the life that's in the growth, the devil itself, that life. When that life comes out, immediately, or a few hours, the patient begins to get relief, feeling fine, go testifying. Usually after three or four days, I'm gone from the city. Well, then the Bible says that's when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, and he walks in dry places. He brings back seven devils. If there's not the strong man of the house, if there's not a little bit of Christian come at it persistency with the Holy Ghost on the inside, burning inside to say, I'm not going back. We're at that spot now. We're not going back. We're going forward all the way to complete and total victory. But if the strong man isn't there, he comes back with another seven devils, worse than he was. And if the good man of the house isn't there to protect, that demon will come in again, and the last estate would be worse. He'd have seven more different things. I'll leave it there, but we've been taught by the message to know that it'll get better, and then it'll get worse before it gets better. The battles that we fight, we've been taught so well by the prophet, the things that we come up against, they're natural. They're common. It's the natural battle of a man. It's the natural battle of a Christian. It's a natural battle of Christians for generations. We're coming up to a spot where also the battle is intensified to a place that it's never been before. But we've been taught how to overcome the greatest battle ever fought. Brother Braddon would say, oh, the greatest battle ever fought she is going on right in here now. Yes, sir, between life and death, between sickness and health, between faith and doubt, oh my, between liberty and bondage. Those cover the main situations we might have in our lives. Life and death, sickness and health, faith and doubt, liberty and bondage. 
The battle is on. He says, shine your spears, soldiers. Polish up the armor. God is getting his soldiers ready. God is getting his soldiers ready. God will heal you right in this atmosphere of the Holy Ghost where he sent you. God will give it to you. Just believe it. Open up the flues of the soul and body, senses and conscious, and just let the God's word penetrate first. Take that mind. There is the battleground. Not say, oh, if I could feel it. We felt the presence of God, even in our flesh. Oh, if I could feel it. If I'd feel the glory of God falling. Oh, that has nothing to do with it. Open up that mind. That's the battleground. That's where the battle is set in array. Right there on the front line, your mind. Open it up and say, every doubt, I doubt my doubts. Oh, I wonder if this, I doubt my doubts. I'm doubting my doubts now. I'm believing God's word. Here I come, Satan. Something is going to take place. Sure it will. Yes, sir. Don't go back and dig up what was planted on the weekend. Don't go back, and if you said, I'm making a step, and I'm planning this, and I'm gonna be different, and by God's grace, I'm gonna be different, not just turning a new page, but God came, he struck my heart. Don't go back and say, well, I messed up on Tuesday. Keep on going. Don't go back and dig it up and say, oh, it was nothing. God, I felt something, but maybe God wasn't really there. Don't stop now. If you laid a stake down on the weekend and Satan is trying to whack away at you now, whack him back. He jumps. He runs away. If we submit ourselves in the fear of the Lord and resist the devil, he flees. The devil will try to tell us things after a weekend, even after a service. He'll try to say, that, that really wasn't God that was moving in the past weekend. Or, there was, I, I didn't hear any testimonies. Of it. That was a, a massive prayer line. A couple hundred people went through. It was over two hours long, maybe. I didn't hear any testimonies. Did God even do anything? Oh, let me tell you. God was there in a supernatural way. And I think the testimonies are going to begin to roll. Oh, my. Let me tell you one testimony. Brother Brandon, Brother Brandon Whitmire, he sits on the front row. He went up through the prayer line. He went up through for something else with things on his heart that he'd been dealing with, but he'd also been dealing with a slip disc in his neck. And he knows, he's a medical student. He knows the different parts. He had had a slip disc in his neck, and it was slowly recovering on its own. I think it happened a few weeks ago. He went through the line for something else. He didn't even come up for a physical need, didn't mention it. By the time he went through the line and went back to his seat, his neck was fully whole. Our God lives. Our God is real. I think we're going to get more testimonies coming. And that's not just a healing. By Brother Bradham's definition, that's a miracle. It was instant. From the walk there to his spot there, God was in the building. God was moving. But Brother John, my situation still looks hopeless. My life situation, this is there and this is out of place and that and everything's still upside down. Brother Brandon would say, talking about the woman at the well, I believe, why this fellow is the Messiah, the little prostitute said. Why this fellow is the Messiah. The scripture says he'll do this. See, that predestinated seed was laying there. She had a life that was upside down and hopeless. And yet she went running into a city testifying of a man. Come see a man that's told me everything I've ever done. And she was still, maybe there was, that, there was this man, there was a, still a mess that she had to go back and figure out. God, it would help her figure out. But she went testifying anyway. The, see, that predestinated seed was laying there. When that light struck it, it come to life. You can't keep it down. You can't hide life. You can take and pour concrete upon a bunch of grass and kill it in the wintertime. The next spring, where is your most, most grass at? Right around the edges of the concrete. Because that germatized, and it might drive some people crazy at their house, but that germatized seed under that stone, when the sun begins to shine, you can't hold it. It'll wiggle its way around through here and come out on the edge of that and stick its head up and give glory to God. You can't hide life. 
When the sun strikes botany life, it's got to live. And let me say this, let Satan pour a thousand tons of concrete on your life, on your life situations, on your family, on this. And Let him pour a thousand tons. But when the S-U-N begins to shine and the quickening power comes, your son and daughter will begin to sprout. Your situation will begin to change. You'll be delivered. You'll be free. And when the Holy Spirit strikes the scriptural life that's in a man, it brings forth its fruit right there. Let him pour the concrete on. It'll only grow. It'll only grow. That might seem like a ho- you might seem like you're in a hopeless case tonight. You might seem like there's a ton of concrete, but let me tell you for a moment about a real hopeless case. His name is Lucifer. <laughs> Created. Think about it. Created to be the second most powerful one in God's kingdom perfect in wisdom and beauty, created to be the second smartest, created to be the musician leader, created in all of these ways, and created to have the biggest downfall and to be the biggest loser ever known to mankind. And it was his predestinated plan. He's predestinated to go from the highest height down to the deepest depths of hell, created to be a loser. He was God's created enemy, and he's only a bluff. His predestinated end is in defeat. Why would you let him defeat you tonight? How could he defeat you tonight? If you begin to clear out the channels. Now this great contest has been going on for many years. It started in heaven and Satan was kicked out into the earth and he became an enemy to God's people. And since then he's used all of his strength and his strategy to pull God's people across the fires into his fires. And we know who has the most power. God does. And God, when he gave his people the best thing he could combat Satan with, it was his word. Now, because that word is God, and who's stronger than God? The word is God, and the word becomes our strength. God in the church becomes its strength to pull Satan into his own fires that he has made. Oh, Joseph would tell his brethren, what you meant for evil, God took and meant for good to preserve life. God has this way of turning things around and taking what the enemy meant for evil and making it for good. And the tug goes on. Jesus said in Mark 16, in my name, they shall cast out devils. Here's a good quote from Speak to the Rock. The devil hates me and I know he hates you too. And he's my enemy. But as long as God's my friend, I don't have to fear him. I just drive him right on back, take the word of God and move him right back out of his place that he thinks he's a holding. He thought he had that spot. He thought he had that position, but he hasn't got no strongholds. Direct quote. He hasn't got no strongholds. He's absolutely legally defeated in every place. The devil hasn't got no legal right at all in nowhere. He's just a devil and a password. That's all. He's got no legal right to any man that'll accept the promise of Jesus Christ. He's whipped. He's whipped in sickness. He's whipped in disappointments. He's whipped in everything. He's whipped in death. He can't scare me. He can't scare you. That's all he is, is an old, big old shadow. So he might as well get on down the street. He says, I just seen his red light go over the hill a little while, didn't you? He's gone. He's gone. A one-line quote from the fourth seal. So Satan knows then that the bottomless pits is ready for him. See? He knows his end. He's, he's maybe seen it before. He's probably been there a few times. And he knows it's ready for him. I don't know exactly how, the, how that would all be, but maybe the pit is reserved until later. But As far as God is concerned... It's finished. What God purchased for us on Calvary is ours today. And it's not because he conquered it today. He did it already. It's finished. The price is paid. You're free. That's what the trouble with people tonight. They don't know that they're free. Something struck me on the weekend. Sometimes we get a funny feeling as we try to enter the presence of God or as we're in church. We get held back by a feeling of condemnation. And, and what the feeling is, is I, I, I know my past. I know where I was good and I know where I was bad. But I, I, and I believe God forgave me. But I don't think I even truly have a full picture yet. And God help me to get a full revelation that he didn't just, he's not just 
a good God that, that forgives and covers and overlooks my sin. That's the way I feel like I see it still maybe. I imagine he knows my past, but he's forgiven me and he's covered me. Praise the Lord. God's bigger than that. He forgot it. It's completely gone. We can enter with boldness. Our memory, our imagination, our memory, our conscience, all these things, it remembers the past. God is bigger than that. There's a few things that God can't do. And one of them is he can't remember your sins that are confessed. He can't do it. It's actually gone. God helped me to get a, to be able to say it like, it's actually gone. Your past, you think of, we think of our lives and sometimes we think of the before and the after. The before is gone. It's annihilated. When we confess our sins, and it takes a moment. There's a quote where I've seen a brother time it out one time. Seven seconds, a prayer for forgiveness, and it's gone. That's how quick it is for you to be able to stand with no condemnation. Stand and worship God. Worship your creator knowing that there's nothing in between. You're truly justified. We've got a five-star general spelled J-E-S-U-S. Placing five stars on us, F-A-I-T-H. He's never lost a battle. Hallelujah. He conquered death, hell and the grave. Get the devils out of the way. He's a great chief captain. So the devil isn't even in the picture. The greatest battle ever raged is setting right, ready now. Certainly it is. So I'll say this, Galatians 5.1. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has already made you free. Don't go back to a yoke of bondage. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. As we walk forward in these next days, and it'll become a distant memory perhaps, maybe something we go back and stream, and maybe there's another meeting coming up, and there's Sunday coming up, and there's Wednesday, and and we have our daily walk with God. Stand fast in liberty. Know that we are a part of an invincible army. If we can get a picture of what we are, what we stand for, and that we can do the greater work. The devil will be powerless before us. Let's clean out the channels tonight. Let's make the devil harmless. What in the world do you mean by that? Greatest battle ever fought. A devil is almost harmless unless he can have someone to work in. Make him harmless tonight. Don't give him a place to work in. You remember those devils that were cast out of legion? They want to go do more mischievousness. So they went and got into the hogs. They had to do, they had to have a body to do something. So devils must have something to work in, somebody to work through, and that's the way God does too. He has to have us. Oh, I, I love that service on Thursday. Deity is not in heaven. What was the book of Ruth about? What was the book of Esther about? It was about the bride in that book. I love the way he brought about Proverbs. The Proverbs would talk about a, a, a promiscuous woman and a bad woman and an evil woman and all these. But the thrust of the book was who can find a virtuous woman? The bride of Jesus Christ. That's who we are tonight. But the devil rages. See his attack. Watch. Listen close. This closing, and I'm winding down myself. His attack is what? Disbelieve God's word. There, can you see the greatest battle that was ever fought? The only two forces, Satan and God. And what is Satan's weapon against you? Is to try to get you to disbelieve your weapon. You're holding your sword of the word, the sword of the spirit. You're holding it. And he's telling you it's not powerful. He's telling you it's not able. He's telling you it won't work. If he can get you, he disarms you. Listen, real quiet now. He says, listen, if he can get you to disbelieve, your weapon is equivalent If he gets you to believe that your weapon is not strong enough, not invincible, he disarms you. But the definition of invincible, let me go back and too powerful to be defeated or overcome. Too powerful, too sharp, too precise. But it needs a strong arm of faith now that we're building up tonight. It needs that strong arm of faith to hold it and push it to the enemy's throat and say, give me my mountain. Let's clean out the channels tonight. In closing, maybe the musicians could begin to come. What is it? The quickening power coming to the church 
making her ready, this hour we're approaching, quickening power. Oh, God, help us to receive it. Help us to believe it. Just depends on what attitude you take to it, whether it's going to do you any good or not. See, you have to believe that. You don't believe it, it won't do you any good. Even in the emotion of any moment of any meeting, if we don't really open up and say, God, I believe your word. I am the Lord God that healeth all thy diseases. He's the one that turns the bad and makes it for the good. These different promises laid out in them, if we believe it. Say, you know what? I accept it in my mind. And Brother Brandon would even say this about now what do we, how do we move forward in victory? We confess it with our mouth. We begin to say, Brother Brandon would go through the prayer line. He says, now just go thanking him for your healing. He would tell John Ryan. He would, the story of John Ryan is a beautiful story. He comes through the prayer line. And he was blind. And he comes through and, 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 and he's prayed for. And Brother Brandon would tell him he's healed. And he can't see. So he comes back through the prayer line again. And, and, and Brother Branham, he asks him, he says, I, I thought you said I was healed. Brother Branham says, I thought you said you believed me. I do believe you. Well, then you go and you testify that you're healed. So he leaves. And weeks begin to go by. And that's the test of faith when believing isn't easy. That's the test of faith. As he goes out and publicly confesses, publicly confesses as a blind man with his cane, holding an extra, extra, read all about it. Thank the Lord for healing me. Thank the Lord for healing me. One day he goes to a barber shop and he gets the, the, the bib on and the young barber comes out and he, he's kind of a bit of a smart aleck and he wants to come out and make a little bit of fun at him. Maybe he looks over at the, his other barber and he can't see, right? And he looks over and, hey, watch this. I, I heard you're at that meeting. I heard you're at that meeting and I heard you got healed from your blindness and begin to try to poke at him. He says, yeah, absolutely. Thank the Lord for healing me. And immediately, he said the right thing. His eyes came open. He went running down the street. He still had the bib on. The barber's going out and chasing him. He was healed. He believed it. Brother Branham would say this. Keep saying it, even if you don't believe it. He says, keep saying it until you believe it. That's a quote. Say it until you believe it. Why? Because you're confessing the positive word of God. It has power, and so does your confession. Jesus, so full of this quickening power, said, if you can destroy this temple that took you 40 years, you thought to build it, I'll raise it up in three days. Why could Jesus say that? I want to ask you, why could Jesus say something like that? He knew that he was. I wish I could make that stick. He knew who he was. He knew every word God had wrote in there of him. He had fulfilled it. He knew he was the one that David spoke of. Do we know that we're the one Malachi 4.5 spoke of when it said, I will send you, Elijah the prophet, to turn our hearts back to the Pentecostal fathers. Do we believe what the word says about us in Revelations 8, 10 through 11, where it says, go take the book, eat the book. It'll be bitter in your belly, but it's gonna come out and it's gonna change your life. Do you know, Brother Branham says, he knew he was the one who David spoke of, and he says this beautiful statement. Do you know you're the ones the Bible speaks of? Do you know your position is in Christ? If you're in Christ, you're a new creature. Do you know this word is just like everyday living to you? Why, sure, it's yours. You're an eagle. That's your food. That's your food. Some of them said, Brother Branham, did your religion keep you? It kept me. Or did you keep your religion? Sorry, you knew what I was saying. Did you keep your religion? It kept me. It kept me. Maybe we can sing, I don't know if it's the right channel, but something keeps holding me. The trials of this life, they're getting closer maybe. Maybe we've never had a battle quite like this, never had a wind quite like this. But we can be cast down, but I'll, I'll ask how many was destroyed this week? None of us were destroyed this week. We can't be. We're invincible through the blood of Jesus Christ. The trials of this life were getting closer. The pull I felt 
was more than I could bear, and I was on the verge of giving over all the strength, the strength within myself just wasn't there, but something keeps me faithfully to overcome my trials. He's guiding me constantly, all by faith, and he's giving, giving me victory. He's a reality. Something keeps holding me. Let's all stand. Satan lay before me his temptation of his desire to steal away my faith. But I found, oh, but I found inside the revelation. It's the strength I need. The strength I need to keep me in His grace. Oh, but something keeps holding me. Every day I see He's helping me faithfully to overcome my Something keeps holding 